Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker. You can call me DW. And this is the third part in our series of podcasts where you, the listener, will get to know our stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. He is the architect of hot takes, the maestro of madness, the provoker extraordinaire. He is one of our funniest writers. He is the one and only Matt Chambers. Matt, thanks for doing this. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be your shiny bronze medal here. Number three coming in. <laughs> there are no bronze medals. We only give first and second prizes. I'm sorry you did not place. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've, I've asked these questions of uh, Dave and Gina to this point, and I think you're one of our most tenured writers at this point. I think our listeners are probably curious, what exactly made you a Falcons fan? Did you grow up in Atlanta? It, was it? part of your family tradition. Uh, what made you a Falcons fan and, and when did that happen? God, that's a good question. So I actually moved to Atlanta in 1998. Uh, so that was your Super Bowl season, uh, except I did not get into the Falcons during that season. Um, you know, it was kind of fun. It was kind of a joke. I'll always remember South Park uh, they made a big joke on there, there was a guy who like got frozen in ice for like three years or something. And then he came back and the Falcons were in the Super Bowl, and he was like, everything's changed around me. Um, so they, they just weren't historically a, um, I, I guess I would say a popular team. I, I lived in, uh, I lived in Bears country, Vikings country. Um, uh, I lived around the Steelers and uh, stuff like that. So, you know, coming to the Falcons, it was, you know, much less of a, uh, much less of a, I guess, I guess you would say a story of history. So I did not really get into them um, early on. I feel like with most people, you know, Mike Vick kind of made things a lot more exciting. And I wasn't a quick fan of the team after that. But, you know, come uh, early 2000s, you're going into like 2003, 2004, 2005, I started catching um, more and more games. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of how it is. I just met some people who were, big Falcons fans. And they were like, Hey, we're, we're getting season tickets. I was like, Oh, that'd be a great idea. As it turns out, terrible idea. Uh, Falcons were very, very bad when I had season tickets. Uh, I went through the Bobby Petrino era, every oh. single home game, uh, not great. Would not recommend it. Uh, but you know, I did get to see a lot of, uh, a lot of good football. And, you know, it just really kind of took off after that point, just really got into the, um, you know, the Falcons thing, started following all the drafts, just became a, you know, bigger, bigger fan of the years. So uh, along those lines, I mean, if you started in the early aughts, the Mike Vick era, um, <laughs> heading into the Bobby Petrino, uh, I don't even know if you could call it a season because he didn't even finish all 16 games. 
but what is one of your earliest memories of the team, fond or otherwise? As you know, this team can give us uh, some pretty dark memories as well. But what's one of your earliest memories of the Falcons? Oh God, that was probably that was probably that Super Bowl year where I I, I wasn't uh, I hadn't really gained fandom yet. Obviously, after you know half a season, you don't become uh, a diehard fan of where you're living then. And um, uh, you know, I, I remember everyone in Atlanta getting very excited about the, the team and their chances. And just having been an outsider, I was like, yeah, they're they're not, they're not going to beat the Broncos. Like that's the Broncos. That's John Elway. Like it's it's not going to happen. And um, I don't have a lot of memories of that Super Bowl, but I, you know, I seem to remember uh, Chris Chandler throwing, I don't know, I think more interceptions than he had completions or uh, something like that. Really, that, that, was my, that was my big introduction into the Falcons was them just laying a big egg in the middle of the Super Bowl. And, you know, at some <laughs> oh, point, uh, yeah, it was just like that team, that needs to be my team, that <laughs> team of disappointment and failure and, um, uh, you know, uh, engaging with prostitutes like that has to be my team right like, oh, <laughs> oh that, all, man. that feels right yeah yeah that's uh it, it i would almost say that there's a darkness in your soul if that was what tilted you over <laughs> to rooting for the falcons <laughs> uh and actually given your writing on the side i think it's probably pretty accurate um so along those lines uh it's one thing to watch this team it's another to buy tickets to go watch this team and it is another thing entirely to choose to write about this team so when did you start writing about the falcons and you know what site uh what venue and and what what was your reasoning why would you choose to write about the falcons <laughs> uh you know just like becoming a fan i don't know if i had a great reason for doing it in the first place uh, so there was a group of, uh, I, I guess draft folks, um, back in, hold on, I can probably put a date on this, probably 20, no, probably in 2011, there was a group of draft folks and they were all putting together this, um, big team blog thing. So there was going to be a, there was a different site for, uh, Browns, Falcons, uh, Raiders and some other stuff like that. I think, uh, I, I think now the URL is for sale for, you know, a couple hundred euro, or something. Um, actually, I, I'm a little curious. I check this out every once in a while because uh, it, it, you know, after six months or something, they they sold the whole block uh, to somebody, and uh, they've never put anything there since. But you know, if you go to, I think it's FalconsBlog.com. That's actually where it started. Wow. Uh, you know, you you can buy that URL for a couple hundred bucks. I don't think it's selling anytime soon. Uh, so <laughs> I, did, I I don't think I got a lot of readers at that time. But you know, I started uh, I started really low. I don't think you get too much lower than that. Um, and, uh, you know, things more or less kind of happened naturally from there. Some people had seen my writing. Is that Falcons blog? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some people had seen my writing over Blogwin. I think that's how you pronounce that name to be honest. I don't actually know. Um, and they, they had a little, uh, they, they were kind of launching their Falcons page at the time. Um, they asked me to come over and I was like, Oh, a site with uh, so, somebody running it. Like, cool, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Um, I did the same, and a little bit like the last one, I was kind of the only person writing. There were just more people on the team. Um, and then eventually Dave asked me if I wanted to come over to the Falcoholic, and I said I've never heard of the Falcoholic before. Um, actually, that, that's a lie. Dave, I think Dave was like my first Twitter follower, so um, 
I don't, I don't need a, I, I, I definitely heard of the alcoholic at the time. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of fell into it. And I don't, I don't think I was particularly good at it early on, but now it's been, God, if that was 2011, nine years ago. Um, I, I remember one of my first articles was post uh, the Julio Jones trade and trying to figure out what was happening with Michael Jenkins. I hope no, I hope no one can find that thing on Google. I'm sure it's a just terrible trash article. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that was probably like one of my first ones. Actually, that, that whole blog network was funny because I think 90% of them, um, this, this was when Bleacher Report was hiring a bunch of football writers. I think like 90% of them all got these jobs at Bleacher Report. And I got shit. I didn't even get anyone reaching out to me. I was like, what the hell? This is, this is not, not fair at all. I was, I was doing some pretty decent, decent writing over there. They, should, they really should have reached out to me and then, uh, obviously, the Bleacher Report thing did not last too long, and uh, yeah. somehow I'm still writing about uh, the Falcons years and years later. Yeah, uh, part of that self-punishment, I guess, that you <laughs> described earlier. Um, so, uh, having written about this team for nine years, uh, obviously, we've we've covered the draft, we cover free agency, uh, and we have to give opinions and prognostications about how we think certain players are going to work out. Along those lines, what is one of the worst maybe takes or opinions you had in hindsight where you look back now and you're like, oh, my God, I wish I could just hit the mute button when I put that one on Twitter or on, or on the site? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I definitely have uh, at least a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. I, I, I guess you could say. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. So I, I had two that met with a lot of. Um, I guess you could call it feedback. Uh, number one was early in Mohamed Sanu's Falcons career. Um, you know, it was something like six, seven games in. Um, he was pretty clearly like the you know number three pass catcher on the team, just not uh, you know not doing terribly well. And I had written something saying like, "Hey, is he really worth this price?" And then I know when I was coming up with a title, like you, you know, for anyone who does any sort of writing, you have a set number of characters you can really fit in everything. And I think I was at like 90% of the way there. And I'm like, well, how, how do you kind of explain this? And then I finish it off with, uh, is he a bust? Uh, more or less. And people were very not happy about that. Every once in a while, I still get someone like, uh, if, if Mohammed Sunni will have a big game, which has not obviously not happened. Um, in a little while, but yeah, I, mean, I would, I would still get people like, yeah, he, he, he you know, he, he'd have one of those uh, pop out games, which like, he, which he does, and he'll, you know, he'll have seventy yards and a touchdown, and I'll get someone in my mentions like, is he still a bust? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, after three, four years, like he finally came down to the point where he was worth his salary, you know, which is good. Like he, he, he was not as bad as I thought. I also had another one that asked if uh, Kyle Shanahan was a quarterback killer. And I look back at his history at quarterback and it was actually just a uh, horrendous history like I mean you're, you're talking about Donovan McNabb um you just have a number of different quarterbacks like he just burned through RG3 in Washington I mean you oh, had yeah. that, you had this little point of Matt Schaub in Houston and then it was all down 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 he went through I think he was in Cleveland for a year um obviously the period in Washington did not turn out well I think they wrote him out of there um uh, with pitchforks and then you know then he came to Atlanta Matt Ryan had a really bad first year with him uh second year MVP 
that article was obviously before Matt Ryan hit MVP, <laughs> but you know, I still, uh, I, I did still ask that question, and you know, there there were a lot of good points I think that I brought up with that, and uh, you know, now after this, uh, after Shanahan returned to the Super Bowl, I think it's still to be decided. Yeah, I, I, it's the unfortunate aspect of writing about this team your opinions tend to get locked into perpetuity and you have to answer for them regardless of whether or not other people agreed or disagreed at the time it just seems you get taken to task for it but along those lines what maybe what's one of your best takes where you look back and and you were going against the trend and and you happened to be right where everyone else was wrong Oh, there was a time when I would have been right. Oh, wow. I was not prepared for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel a little flat-footed here. Um, <laughs> we can come back I, to it if you want to think about it some. <laughs> I, I know I, I listened to Dave's podcast uh, for anyone listening. I think Gina's was posted earlier today, and I have not listened to her, so I did not um, necessarily take notes on what was going to be asked, but... You know, I think I've had a lot of um, – there's probably some right stuff out there. I, I, I could kind of tell you <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, little bit, that's a little bit tough. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say our readers will remind us frequently of our bad takes and completely – wiped the board as if our uh, best takes best opinions didn't happen. So I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable. <laughs> uh, we'll, God, we'll, actually, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll get in the comments, someone saying like, Oh, what, what, like, I don't know if I'll have a, if I'll have an article, people don't like uh, someone will pop in and be like, no, but Matt was still the person who said this. And, um, I don't, and I, I would, I would like forget that I had the right take just because like, I, I don't, you know, I don't hear it very often. I'm like, Oh, I did say that. I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, I, I know I was against the Devonta Freeman contract. That's uh, obviously coming to um, coming to a head now. Oh yeah, no, that's actually a really good one. I think because I think a lot of people were were on board with you know getting. Um, so, what's something that our readers or listeners may not know about you that's interesting or peculiar or unique? Oh yeah, I did not think of this question either. Let's see. Um, I don't. I don't like giving our readers too much info uh, because I do tend to. Um, sometimes I'm the one dropping the ban hammer on uh, you know on the message boards or Facebook or um, something like that. And you know, I, I think someone more like James and Gina, like they're a little bit more diplomatic about it. And <laughs> like, hey man, you're gone forever. Feel free to email Dave, and he's just going to come to me, and I'm going to tell Dave no. Uh, oh let's so, see <laughs> so you would say you're you're uh the more abrasive personality on uh, our forums and on facebook I, I i'd say i would yeah I, I would agree with that because typically you'll have somebody who's i don't know spouting off some crazy nonsense for like the fifth time and they're like okay well according to the according to the board rules you can't say this and this and i i have to be the one who says like hey uh you know anti-Semitic stuff, not very cool on the message board. So you're, you know, you're, you're just gone forever. That's, um, uh, that's more or less the end. Or, um, I don't know. So, so sometimes those are a little funny because someone will, uh, I don't know. So, some of them are a little bit more memorable, but I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands was always, um, 
uh, someone made fun of Corey. I, I think it, it might have been post Super Bowl or something, and Corey tried to have a uh, you know an optimistic post on hey things are gonna come around, and then someone was like you're acting like a child. We're all big adults, and we're gonna be here and you know talk about things like adults and except it was like much ruder than that. And then I banned him and this guy who like talking about how he was an adult had sent dozens and dozens of emails trying to get his account back. Uh, he went to Dave, Gina, he went all the way up through SB nation. Oh my word. Um, I think some people with box and, um, that one was actually very, that one was, that one was very enjoyable. Um, post, uh, post ban for me. Oh, I, I will say, I think uh, we have gotten some very unique uh, interactions with people. Um, there's one in particular, I know you, me, Gina uh, got sort of wrapped into. Um, we can't say much. I'm, I don't want to say much about it because uh, this particular person. <laughs> I know this, <laughs> this particular person was threatening legal action. Um I, I think technically for getting his feelings hurt, uh, which if uh, yes, if um, well, well, we would definitely not talk about Sid's situation. Something that people might not know about me is I am an attorney, and I really wanted to um, give him my <laughs> law firm's address so he could properly serve me with uh, a lawsuit. And instead, we just completely <laughs> agreed to uh, um, to not uh, do anything. Oh, that's. I, I still get a good laugh. <laughs> oh man! Um, all right, <laughs> doubling back to the Falcons. Uh, it's well, less so well, on some well, of the idiots we we interact with on a day to day basis. Um, who is uh, past or present? Who is your all time favorite player and why? Ooh. This is a good one, but I do have an answer up front for this, and that is definitely John Abraham. That's, you know, Ah. when, uh, like, when that trade was made, that was right when I was getting deep into the Falcons, and John Abraham was, like, I mean, he's still, in my opinion, like, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, Just, I mean, almost ever. Like, I mean, the man had over 100 career sacks. He was just unstoppable. Like, this is a man who got sacks when Mike Smith was the head coach. Yeah. Mike (laughs) Smith. This man could get through everything else, uh, all the scheming, all the coaching, which never worked for any other player but him. But he was just so good, he could beat up anybody. Like, man, there, there were just, like, years and years where he would just like he would just be assaulting Jake DeLome like twice a year. Like I feel kind of bad because like at the time Jake DeLome was like 37 and like John Abraham would just burst off the line, blow right past the tackle. And he's like, you know, dropping a shoulder into his back or something like just, you know, just poor guy. But John Abraham was so good. He's uh, I I have one, uh, I have one signed piece of Falcons memorabilia and that is a John Abraham game worn Jersey. And that one's a uh, that one's a pretty cool one. I've always always loved John Abraham. Hated when he left, and you know it's been um, uh, it's been pro- what eight years probably, and we're, we're uh, Atlanta's still looking for uh, you yeah. know any semblance of a replacement. Yeah, I think it, 2012 was his last season with the team because 2013 was when they brought in OC Umanura. Uh, oh, to- I'm still I'm still mad about that move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like the the problem in okay yeah I mean the the problem before then like you you still needed more pass rush and in your in your best situation OC just being younger he was a 
he, he was a potential replacement, but then opposite of OC or Abraham, like you still don't have anybody. Like yeah. you could add OC, you could keep Abraham and maybe win some games, but uh, I don't know. The Falcons didn't really win that many games after they made that move. No. Yeah. OC and Corey Bierman as your pass rush is not inspiring. <laughs> oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. They, it's weird. Mike Smith got fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's shift that question to the active roster. The 2020 roster guys are going to be there, uh, you know, come September. Who's your favorite current player and why? I don't know. You know, I, I feel like Julio's got to be he, – he's got to be that top choice because – I feel like he's got to be the top choice for everybody just because of, I mean, what, what he does. Like, it's – like, Julio is so good that he'll finish a game and I'm like, oh, he, you know, I didn't notice Julio that much from that game and he'll have 160 yards, he'll right. touchdown. <laughs> um, he'll, he'll have a – you know, he'll have defended an interception or something. Like, he's just <laughs> – uh, he's just so absurdly good that you you don't even notice him unless if he has some 250 yard game um, where he's just you know destroying the Green Bay secondary or something like that. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just crazy the sort of talent he is. Um, it feels like a little bit of a cop out just to, just to pick uh, Julio because he's he's such a no. I, I don't know who else it would possibly be. It, it really has to be. Um, Julio, everything he's done since he, you know, since he came in a league, just the type of player he is, the dude he is, um, on and off the field, like just the, just the perfect selection there. And, uh, uh, oh yeah. If, if we're going to have bad takes, um, I was a much bigger fan of AJ green before the draft. I was unhappy with that pick and oh, wow. yeah, I was pretty wrong with that. I mean, to be fair, like I, I, I was not like a big film guy. I understood, um, uh, and I, I had not been looking at the top of the draft because Atlanta was picking like 23 or 27, um, you know, whatever that number was. So there was no expectation he would land with them. But, you know, when they started talking about a trade-up, I was like, ooh, A.J. Green, having seen, you know, some UGA games, I was like, he'd be a really good addition. And um, there, there are times like this when I'm glad the Bengals are there to take the bullet for the Falcons. And <laughs> the Bengals and the, the Browns, right. <laughs> Yeah, the Browns to make the trade, the Bengals to take uh, A.J. Green. And to be fair to Green, I mean, when you've got Andy Dalton as your QB for your entire career, that probably has uh, set your career back a good bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, all right, so before we go to the next set of questions and, and wrapping up this uh, podcast, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I am joined by Matt Chambers. We're talking about uh, his time as a Falcons fan and as a writer at thefalcoholic.com. So, Matt, we've talked about uh, John Abraham being your one of your favorite players, uh, Julio uh, arguably being the one from the, uh, the current team. Who would you add to that list? So if you had a top three uh, that uh, teenage Matt Chambers, he's putting posters on his wall, 
uh, of these Falcons players. We know Abraham obviously is one of them. Uh, who are the other two guys, even if it's, uh, you know, maybe Julio isn't in the top three. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a couple guys that are uh, from, from past teams. But who is that top three from Matt Chambers? That top three? This, this is top three all time? All time, yep. All, all time's a little tough for me since, like I said, I, I really got into the Falcons, you know, that early, mid-2000s. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, guys like Vic – Obviously, um, yeah, Vic might just—he might have to be just an auto ad, even though right. it obviously did not work out well. <laughs> um, I will, I will, I will never forget. Um, uh, I think this was—I think this was right after I had I had re up for my season tickets um, because there, you know there, there was some sort of investigation going on in Virginia and a lot of rumors that nothing was going to come out of it. And, uh, you know, I know, I know I paid for my tickets uh, like a couple days before and then like the indictment comes down and my whole, uh, my whole day's ruined. I was going to school in downtown Atlanta at the time. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I pulled up to the stoplight and there's, you know, there, there's a, a homeless guy on the corner, like, you know, asking for change. And I, you know, I think I gave him a buck and I was stuck at the light and he's just kind of like trying to make conversation because he was there and he's like, so crazy about Mike Vick, right? And I was like, ah, everywhere. <laughs> I can't get out of it. Um, oh, it's crazy. But I, I, I think I would have to add him. Just you know, just really what he. I feel like what he meant to the to the franchise and even just the the city throughout his time um, was just unmatched. I mean, I, I think you could give it twenty years from now, and if Julio and Michael Vick walk into um, the same store, like. Mike Vick's the guy who's not paying for anything. Everything there's going to be on the house. Like people yeah. love Julio, but I, I think um, I think Mike Vick's a lot different than um, a lot different than that. He um, seemed to transcend the sport. Like he was everywhere. It, it I, arguably one of the first. You know, maybe you know Deion Sanders sort of set the mold for those uh, Atlanta athletes that uh, sort of would take this you know the entire city by storm. But it even felt like Vic was bigger than Dion was in his time in Atlanta, which was pretty remarkable because Dion was a big personality. Uh, but it, it seemed like Vic was everywhere. He was, you know, in advertisements. He was, uh, you know, a star in the NFL. Uh, he just seemed to be one of those generational, uh, unique players. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, certainly when he went down uh, for those crimes. I still don't know that Atlanta has recovered. Like it feels like there's still an element of Atlanta that, that, you know, thinks back of what could have been. Yes. But uh, I, w- I will also add one other name to, uh, to this list. And that's somebody who uh, did not um, get federally indicted and go to jail. And I'm going <laughs> with the uh, USS Babineau. Um, oh yeah. He, I'm not even going to say he's the best defensive tackle in Falcons history. I don't, I, that's probably not accurate. Like, I mean, Grady Jarrett's probably more talented. I think you've got another couple guys who um, were great. But I mean, Babineau was just such a just such a consistent force in the middle of that defense. Yep. For um, I, I'm not looking at it, but probably like 10, 11, maybe 12 years. Like he was going for a long, long time. Like he. He he had a. I, I feel like he had a he had a longer career than most uh, defensive tackles, and he he was just yeah. you know he he was just one of my favorite dudes for a while. It's easy to forget that he was on that um, 
you know, he was here when Shanahan was here. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think he, it was 10 years. He wasn't, he wasn't as good then. Um, but, if, but if he even was, then uh, he, he was, was still two and a half years younger. I think, uh, I think that 25 point lead probably does not disappear. Right. Yeah. Um, and we'll touch on that in just a bit. Um, good. yeah, which is always fun. Uh, <laughs> all right. Shifting away from the players and going now to, uh, the fact that the Falcons have had some very colorful coaches that have come through. We've had really a wide variety throughout the team's history. You've got guys like, you know, going way back, you've got Jerry Glanville uh, who brought the, uh, you know, the black uniforms to Atlanta. Um, You've got, uh, you know, more ho-hum guys like Mike Smith. You've got, you know, Dan Quinn currently. So of the guys that you are familiar with, who was your favorite Falcons coach uh, since you've been a fan or since you've been writing about this team? I feel like that's another tough question because while I've been following or writing about this team, there's not a lot to pick through. I mean, I went to, I went to some, I went to some games when Dan Reeves was still coaching um, way back when. And then, I mean, you're following that up with Jim Mora and I mean, no, no one's going to pick Jim Mora. <laughs> um, I, I almost mean, I, forgot I like about Mora. Well, that, exactly. If you're going through coaches, you're like, oh, Bobby Petrino, fuck him. Um, and then you kind of skip over Jim Mora and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything about that. He took D'Angelo Hall in his Lamborghini or something. I think that was really the highlight of his uh, career in Atlanta. Um, well, that's tough. I mean, I, I really do think Dan Quinn is the best head coach out of all of them. And that's a little terrifying to say. <laughs> But I don't, I don't know. I don't know who else competes in that. I mean, at least I don't. Know. It, it's such a bad slew of coaches. Um, I mean, you, you can you you have to give Mike Smith some credit for um, what he did and adding some consistency to this team. Right. And, uh, yeah, suddenly, our yeah, and, and our expectations every year since Mike Smith has been here has been playoffs. And, Obviously, yeah. they weren't making the playoffs a lot, but the expectation was that they they would, and that was not the expectation before um, before that time. But I, I think it's it still has to be Dan Quinn, even though he probably should have been fired. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going with Dan Quinn. Yeah, I, I I think if you had to parse it between Quinn and Smitty. Um, I think the thing that weighs against Smitty is he, he had very little playoff success and, you know, the past couple of years have been bad for Quinn, but second year he went, you know, he took us to the, to the Super Bowl, And even I think people forget third year, we still had, you know, an, an additional playoff win, something that, you know, Mike Smith seemed to struggle with in his entire time in Atlanta. So no, I think that's oh, so a, that, that Rams game, that Rams game was awesome because we had Steve Sarkisian and he blew up, Wade Phillips's elite defense. Yeah, like that was that was amazing. And uh, I mean, um, th- this was um, now I'm blanking on the. Yeah. Oh, and the Falcons' defense basically shut down the Rams, who uh, you know had Sean McVay and uh, you know the uh, rejuvenation of uh, uh, Golf, uh, which was you know short lived. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but they, they did get they did get rolling late that late that year and yeah i mean that was, that was still todd Gurley full health and they just 
they went to Los Angeles and they beat the shit out of them. That yeah, was awesome. shut them down. Yeah, it was. And I mean, if if you uh, I mean, if you change one random ass play from the Philly game, I mean, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is probably still in Atlanta. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. That that is yeah. No kidding. One play and we probably. And actually, I don't know how to feel about that dirt cutter versus Sarkeesian. I feel like. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like both will get you fired. Right. <laughs> but it, at least with Sarkisian, I feel like there. I feel like the highs were. I feel like the highs were higher with Sarkisian. But when yeah. when he came across a good defense, he went. He went in a dirt cutter shit mode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a video game cheat code, except it works against you. Uh, dirt cutter <laughs> shit mode. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, this one, this one may be a little bit harder. So if, if you also decide we need to skip this one, that's fine. Um, but under and overrated Falcons. So I want to start with under. So in your mind, who is one of the most underrated Falcons where fans beat up on this player or they criticize him, you know, incessantly, uh, but you feel is, is much better than he's given credit for. Ooh, that is a good question. Um, Let's see. Would it be cheating to ask who Dave and Gina said? Uh, I think Dave, he actually went with Desmond Trufant. And, oh, there, there you go. I mean, that's a good answer. And I think Gina went with Matt Ryan. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, Desmond Trufant was going to be my backup answer. Matt Ryan, my my first answer because there we he go. does <laughs> get a lot of shit. Um, but actually, so I, I think my third would also be a current Falcon. It's obviously easier um, when you're just talking about current, uh, you know, current players, I mean, it's tough for me to say like 15 years ago, what people were saying about, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Chris Chandler, who, whoever was, um, well, it wasn't even 15 years ago. I'm getting old. Um, but I mean, I, I think right now, I think Jake Matthews is really overlooked for, um, mm. what he is and where he rates in the NFL. I, I feel like he gets a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of unnecessary crap. A lot of people complaining about his, Contract, which is which is really good. Um, yeah. Honestly, especially right right now where, where he comes in at, he's he's a fantastic value. He's still very young. I mean, last yep. year I think he had a bad he had like a bad first game, maybe a bad second game, and then he was I, I want to say like a top five, top six tackle the rest of the year. Like he, yeah, yeah, uh, just fantastic. But he he gets way 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 too much criticism when really like your problem is a lot of the rest of the offensive line. And, and I mean, just look at the rest of the NFL and see what they're paying for left tackles. Um, oh God, there were some bad, bad deals. I want to say the, Oh yeah. Who, who did the Giants sign? They signed the, they signed like that old Patriots tackle. Oh yeah. Um, Nate they, Solder. They paid, yeah. They paid Solder something stupid. I, I can't remember what it was. Or uh, um, Matt Khalil in uh, uh, Carolina. Ooh. I remember that deal, $55 million. Yes. $55 million from Matt Khalil, who was – let me just clarify. Like, he went um, – did he go number three or number four overall? Um, I think he went four because someone traded up for – or the, the Browns switched out for Trent Richards, Trent Richardson. Um, but <laughs> Khalil was never good. Like, there was never nope. any point in time where he was good. And then he hit free agency and made $11 million a year. And surprisingly enough, Cam Newton has been so injured he has not been able to play football since. 
Uh, there is a lot. Oh. <laughs> there's there's a very direct correlation between those two. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so everyone thank Jake Matthews a little bit for Matt Ryan being able to walk without a limp. Right, exactly. Oh my God, you're, you're not kidding. Um, all right, the most overrated. So a, a player that fans love that you look at and you're like, I, I don't get it. Let's see. I feel like this one should be pretty, you, you, you mentioned him earlier. <laughs> I feel like it should be pretty straightforward for, for you, but I don't know. I, I maybe. Don't... <laughs> I think it's a little oversimplification just to say it's Mohamed Sanu, but just, you know, fuck it. I'm going to say Mohamed Sanu, <laughs> just overrated, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, he, well, I guess we're just going on, on a rating. Like, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a consistent wide receiver three, which in this offense makes him like the fifth target, and they're paying him $7 million a year, and – you know, people are saying like, oh man, he's so clutch. He's that, um, you know, he's that short dump off pass. He, he's basically Michael Thomas, just without as many targets. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, he's not, he's, he's going to help you out in some games, but there's a lot of times where you just, you, you can't just keep dumping off uh, six yard passes to a, a wide receiver just because he can catch the ball. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a little problematic. That's all you're able to do when Julio Jones is, you know, across the field, holding up three defenders. Yeah, yeah, three or four, uh, half the defense. Um, all right, most gratifying win since you've been watching this team? Let's see. I wish I could say the Super Bowl. Uh, that was almost there. Um, I, I think it's going to be the win against Green Bay that year in the playoffs because there was this long, long period where every single time – Atlanta played Green Bay. They beat the hell out of us. I think yeah. it, it probably goes back to, I want to say it's the 2011 playoffs, where admittedly I was a little overly optimistic in the Falcons that year. Um, oh, God. no! Oh, no. I, I remember going before the game, um, one of the starting quarters was hurt, and that pushed Chris Owens oh, that's to right. start. And I remember being like, this is going to be – very bad, and it was it, it was a very bad game. But then there was uh, there was just this period of time where every single time Atlanta played them, they just Rogers they just would light got, us up. Yeah. Oh, they just got demolished yeah. every single game. Like it's not like I mean, there were definitely like there were a lot of great games against the Saints where Atlanta won. Um, but you know that uh, that rivalry has kind of gone back and forth. Where I mean, hell, even this last year, which sucked, Atlanta split with them yeah so, yep. um, but with, with Green Bay there was just this um, there was just this long period just seemed like five six seven years where Atlanta could not beat them at all and then to just mop the floor with them in the playoffs oh it felt so good it felt yeah. so good to do that uh, I, I think that was that was probably one of my that, that was probably one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Falcons wins in, in a long time yeah and they they had that 28 to nothing lead in the first half. And then I think the, like the first or second play of the second half was that slant to Julio that went for 75 yards and made it 35 oh to nothing. And uh, you could just tell like, and I, I seem to remember even the camera panned over to Aaron Rodgers, who just, he <laughs> like, he was just staring into the darkness. You could just tell he had no answer and it, it was glorious. It was like a, you know, for like you said, they had beat up on us so much. It felt like all of those losses came 
and they came due in that one game. Um, yeah, was that the slant? Was that the one where Julio um, just does a Heisman on two different corners? Yes, to, yeah, uh, and, oh, and actually the guy goodness. got called for a hold on, on Julio, uh, <laughs> That's and Julio right. still broke free and ran for the touchdown. Oh, my good. Oh, man, Julio had so many good games. God. Oh, yeah, and which to your earlier selection of him as a, a current favorite player makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. We're going to dive back a little bit into the darkness here, but 28 to three, um, you know, you mentioned it, you know, wish we could have won that game, but how hard did that loss hit you? Like I know for me, uh, and I've, I've heard this from a few other people, I seriously contemplated like just being done with football, like just saying, I'm, I'm not going to watch football anymore. I'm not going to write about this team. I can't take it. This is too much. What kind of, impact did it have on you after the fact uh what was your headspace like after that devastating loss oh uh, i know at one point i told dave that i was unequivocally just quitting i was like i'm done like yeah. why do i why do i follow this team when <laughs> it can impact me so so negatively like this like it it doesn't make sense like if this is you know if this is a fun hobby but then this is going to um destroy me for the months to come like you know not a great not a great pick. Like instead I could, I don't know, I could, I could buy like an old Mustang or something and fix it up on the weekends and <laughs> be a lot more enjoyable. Like take that out driving as opposed to watching, you know, uh, watching Kyle Shanahan called seven step dropbacks or whatever. I've, I've kind of blocked out a lot of the specifics of that um, game in my head, but no, I, I, I definitely told Dave, I, w- I was like, I'm out, like I'm done. Like this is just not, this is just not fun or like worth it. And um, I I think he knew emotions were really high and he was just like, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. Yeah. um, Dave Dave really kind of took over the site for, well, like three, four, five, six days, maybe, maybe longer where I think he was, he was the only person writing just because he knew everyone else like desperately needed it. But it's, uh, it's amazing. I guess I would say two things, how long it took for me to, mentally accept that the Falcons could win just because having been a Falcons fan, I knew for so long in that process, I was like, something's going to happen and it's going to all fall apart. Mm-hmm. And then it finally hit that point uh, where I was texting friends all across the U S where we're like, Holy shit, it finally happened. This <laughs> feels so fucking awesome. And then you find that text like three months later when you go to text them again and like you're, you know, <laughs> the text is in. We were both like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, Falcons rule. <laughs> and then you get back to it and you're like, oh God, oh, it's like, uh, it, it, it's like, um, you know, it, it's like one of those 80s movies where the, um, uh, where the guy had been in Vietnam and then something kind of triggers the guy and he's got the helicopter noise <laughs> in the background and everything goes dark. It's just like that when you're just like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. going to see if this guy's going to be around. Oh no, 28 oh, three. Oh, that, no. was, that, that, that was my take on it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I was with you. I think I, I, I think we all probably bombarded Dave with the, I can't write about this team anymore by <laughs> <laughs> message. So uh, God fair, bless we, we didn't actually lose anybody. I don't, I don't think. Uh, no, uh, which is, uh, says a lot about the darkness in our hearts and souls, but <laughs> um, all right, to close exactly. this one out, uh, what are your thoughts in, in this can be from the very top of the organization, Arthur Blank, 
down to McKay, to Dimitrov, to Dan Quinn, uh, to the players. What are your thoughts on this current regime, the 2020 Falcons, and what are your hopes for this upcoming season? Let's see, what do I think about this? I think about this team, and that is not good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not uh, alone. So, uh, yeah, so uh, this is like best summed up um, on the Falcoholic. I think last week I wrote about um, I, I wrote about Vic Beasley's fifth year option, mm. which uh, which we now that we have a little um, you know now that we know what the cap situation's like, knowing that we can't keep anybody, we can't keep Devondre Campbell, you can't keep Austin Hooper, uh, the Falcons are out on anybody, which yeah. kind of brings you back to last year when they could have rescinded this option and not paid Vic Beasley $13 million. Like what, what was your hope for, what was your hope for that? Because there was no way they're going to keep him. They, there's no way they could afford him if he returned to that 2016 form, even if right. he was just decent, like they're not, they're still not going to be able to afford him. Like they, they can't pay him 10 million a year. They definitely can't pay him 20 million a year. Um, so they, they brought him back as if, you know, strictly on this very expensive one-year deal. And I, I, I'm still just at a complete loss for words. Like, what was their hope? Like, was this going to be a Super Bowl year and Vic Beasley was going to um, – Vic Beasley was going to turn around his career and he was going to finally uh, make a play in the Super Bowl, which he didn't in 2016? Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's just so mind-boggling what the thought process was on this because you yeah, could have – great point. You could have cleared that cash. You could have – um, invested in some guys you wanted to keep, or at least you could have afforded to keep, and you could not be in the cap hell, which they will say again and again, we're not in cap hell. Guess what? We are in cap hell, yeah. and you can't afford to keep anybody right now. And I think that really just kind of sums up a lot of this team's thought process, where I, I don't know like what the hell you're thinking, like what, what, what the whole plan is throughout the off season. I mean, you just, even just go to, back to last year, they added three guards uh, and two, the, the two most expensive ones sucked and they, <laughs> they can't even afford to, they can't even afford to cut one of them. I, I, the other one might be sticking around too. Like there's just, so, there, there's clearly a lot of dysfunction here and it, it sucks because, you know, I, I do think Dan Quinn has his, um, you know, Dan Quinn does have a skill set, which is useful. I don't know if he's, you know, a, a top coach or anything. And I, I think Thomas Dimitrov sometimes is good at evaluating some players, not all of them, not offensive linemen, not defensive linemen. Um, some of the other players, yes. And, you know, I, there is some value to that. But then sometimes shit just goes so clearly fucking crazy where you just you don't you don't need to say well we'll see what happens with this next year you're like what this doesn't make any goddamn sense but (laughs) you know it kind of like like post super bowl there were a lot of really questionable decisions but at the time i mean i know i said a lot of other people said like hey you know they've earned my confidence in their moves and two years later you're like they did not deserve my confidence (laughs) in any of their moves it's just a lot of it it seems just like a very dysfunctional organization and things do not seem to be improving but i will i will finish this off uh and say that the last time i was this down on a season was 2016 which worked out pretty well minus the last 15 or so minutes So, um, you know, obviously my, my preseason 
opinion. It does not necessarily relate to a lot of stuff, but I do not, uh, I, I, I don't see necessarily a lot of positive going into this year. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're alone in that. Um, and that's why we write about this team <laughs> because we like to, uh, we like to suffer. Apparently that's, that's part of our, uh, what, what unites us at the falcoholic.com. Uh, so Matt, tell our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic Matt. Um, you can also read a lot of my articles at the Falcoholic, obviously. Um, there have been a few uh, good ones that I really like recently. So uh, we did post a little bit of info. I guess we had, we had the exclusive on um, – on Zeke Mata, former yeah. safety for the Falcons, and his lawsuit against uh, Atlanta's former uh, head physician that, uh, you know, surrounding his career-ending injury. Uh, a, lo- a lot of super interesting stuff that uh, e- even I didn't know ahead of time. I think super good read. Just gives you a little bit of info on, you know, number one, what happened to uh, that safety that showed a lot of promise way back in 2013. Um, And number two, a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of how this process works with a lot of these teams. And um, let's see, I think the week before that, I wrote about how Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn were so short on cap space that they are now putting the Mercedes Benz uh, on Airbnb. They're, uh, you know, they're giving, uh, they're giving Uber rides or they're doing a lot of stuff in the gig economy to help them uh, afford a little bit more, uh, (laughs) a little bit more stuff. Um, come free agency, so the, the, those are both good for, on the on two distinctly separate ends of the spectrum, <laughs> which is absolutely one hundred percent part of your brand at the alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you for your time. Thanks for doing this interview. I'm sure our listeners have gotten a lot out of this. So, uh, guys, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW each week here on the Falcoholic Podcast and, of course, at thefalcoholic.com. So, for Matt Chambers, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.